You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 301. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. All right. Today, we're going to listen to part two of my discussion with Aaron following recent events in the Middle East. But surprisingly, this is a much lighter discussion and a much more fun discussion than we had last time. And it's literally the same discussion. It just occurred the same night. So so go figure. Uh, we start with the reaction to world events. So I, I guess that's the reason the first part was the, was the events themselves. But then we get to the reaction to the world's events in the rest of the world and the cultural contradictions stemming from that. Um, don't get me wrong. It's not t- totally light. Some of it is a little, a little bit... Uh, a little bit concerning, but um, you know, it's helpful to have some some gallows humor, I guess. Uh, it ends with my review of the movie Dumb Money, and we start talking about movies and entertainment in general. Um, you know, <laughs> I guess stream of consciousness. So, some thoughts on our changing culture, I suppose. Uh, let's have a listen. Let's talk about another issue that that is closer to home that we've been dealing with, which is the reaction here in the United States in the world. Uh, because we've been seeing a ton of Hamas rallies, uh, you know, <laughs> what I'm calling Hamas rallies. They're really like free Palestine rallies. But, you know, I look at them. They're not those are not peace rallies. Those are not hippies saying, hey, man, everyone's just got to, you know, stop making war and stuff. No, these are like um, these are these are kind of scary, to be honest. And they're happening uh in college campuses, uh, uh, probably close to you in uh, in Harvard over there, uh, and um, and even in New York City, uh, you know, to to some respect, and in, in places like London and Paris, um, and it's amazing um, how. And, and again, I'm not the only one to point this out, but but it's important to point it out. Our corporations have been for years being like, oh, you know, nobody deserves to be microaggressed against. You can't offend anybody. And, you know, if if something bad happens, we're going to get on and say, uh, like, like my CEO, the CEO of Foursquare uh, after January 6th, like the next day, he wrote us an email like, today, January 6th, 2021 is a day that will live in infamy. These, the you know, uh, you know, the army of Trump tried to take over the government and this will not stand like, like he, he thought he was a freaking FDR over there. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it was the most ridiculous thing. And, um, and, you know, now they have nothing to say. And it's, um, it's, it's a lot of people have pointed that out and it's, uh, it's really, uh, I think it's a, a wake up call to a lot of people, uh, even to a lot of people who were involved uh, you know, even to a lot of people who supported these corporations early on are now starting to think, um, you know, well, what's going on here? Yeah, well, and and I don't know if it's a uniquely American trait, but it certainly uh, runs runs deep in the American uh, conscious that that uh, we love to root for an underdog and. Uh, the Palestinians certainly seem like a a you know oppressed underdog here uh, in 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 the way that they're being portrayed globally and and there's there's some truth to that in that uh, you know they're they're somewhat ghettoized in in 
in in Gaza uh, and uh, life there is tough, but uh, that that doesn't necessarily mean that they're justified in any actions they take as a result of that. Um, and so, and I think people are are too fixated on the first part, uh, and so they take you know they pick up and run with the second part without thinking too hard about it. So I, I hate to I hate to bring this up, but maybe I could get your your take on it uh, if I could. Uh, if I could dispense with this idea entirely, that would be great, but I don't think I can, which is like, especially when you see this stuff in Europe, it almost looks like, um, is this, um, you know, is this the emergent of like kind of emergence of kind of like the, the latent Nazism? Um, Hmm. you know, is, is it sort of the same kind of thing? Like, you know, you read about some of the stuff that was going on. Well, I mean, Barry Weiss has been talking for, for years about, uh, a undercurrent of anti-Semitism of, of, you know, soft anti-Semitism in the American left. And uh, I don't think she's uh, entirely off base there. Uh, I think that, that it's, it's, it's a little ironic that the people who are all, all uh, enthused about punching Nazis uh, are are also uh, not too upset with the idea of, uh, you know, exterminating the Jews or, 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 you know, bringing an end to, to the state of Israel. So and 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 maybe they wouldn't put it that way, but uh, they've they've chosen some strange bedfellows. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I do see a lot of uh, again. I'd, I'd love to have someone talk me out of this, but I do. But w- when I look at the history of the '30s and the type of rhetoric that was used, there was a lot of like you know, boycott, uh, boycott Palestine, boycott and divest Palestine, which is kind of interesting to read about because back then that meant you know. Uh, you know, boycott the Jews, boycott right. Israel today. Uh, the the uh, Palestine, Palestine well, meant the e- Jews. Even in the two thousands, there was the yeah. w- was it the 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 was it the BDS movement? Oh, yeah, the, yeah. the boycott, no. divest, and that's what I don't I'm know talking what the about. S was for, but yeah, yeah. But sanction. Yeah, th- th- they still you. have that. But is that is, is there a straight line between the BDS movement of the 30s uh, 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 to now? I I you know I I don't know, uh, but. Um, uh, um, <laughs> I, I'd like, I'd like to talk to someone who give me a better perspective on that. Um, and so, and, and yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So I, I was actually on an interesting zoom call, um, on, I believe it was on Wednesday, the, uh, was it on Wednesday? Shoot. I don't remember what it was. Let me, uh, let me look it up to the date just so that we get the, uh, the, uh, any it was some something like the earlier this week yeah maybe it was the 12th or something of 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 october uh with uh, the slifka center at um at yale now in at harvard there were a whole bunch of organizations who you know put out this letter uh you know it's one thing to say like you know if there was a letter that said man we we feel really bad for the people in um you know, in, in Gaza, let's minimize civilian casualties. Let's yeah, the, uh, I would agree with all that, but it, it was, it almost seemed to be like supportive of, of what they had done. And like the number of organizations that, that signed on to that was, uh, and, and I don't know if I, I, I almost feel like it's, it's a, it's a mix between people who actually believe that crap and are, and are just totally out of it. And then a bunch of people who just have no, uh, you know, have no moral discrimination and will just sign on to anything that's that's presented to them. Uh, I mean, there were but, certainly people who claimed, oh, I didn't actually read that. 
yeah, before yeah, yeah. I signed it. Uh, I, yeah, I which know. is, I mean, I mean, okay. What if, I mean, it's not like. This isn't a Apple use authorization agreement. <laughs> this this is a little bit different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, fortunately at Yale, you've seen a lot less of that. Not <laughs> as a Yale alum, I'm, I'm very surprised that, uh, that they are not as bad as, as Harvard in this respect, but pleasantly surprised. Actually, the president of Harvard, uh, the, no, the, the previous president, Larry Summers, you know, put on Twitter something to the effect of this is not the Harvard I know. And then a lot of people mm. wrote back, like, what are you talking about? This is exactly the Harvard. Historically, I know the Ivies have a reputation of, of you know, back in the, the pre-war years, they had uh, quotas for Jews and stuff like that. Is, mm-hmm. has, is Yale... Uh, known for being particularly more friendly to to uh, Jewish students than I, than Harvard, or I or don't not know that. So, but so okay, I went. So on, I, I, I wasn't sure if there was a reputation there. Yeah, one way I, or the other. I mean, I know that there are a lot of Jews that go there. I mean, when I went there, I had no problem <laughs> finding Jews. And like uh, the um, uh, the uh, Laslifka Center uh, is the um, you know is the Jewish. Uh, uh, the, the Jewish community center effectively that I lived next door to, which just wasn't my choice. It was like, you know, where my dorm was, uh, which I kind of want to go back there now and like have some of the food. That food is pretty good. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of people eat there, even people who 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 weren't Jewish. It was like a, a, a potential cafeteria. Um, you know, Muslims ate there because, you know, to eat halal. Kosher uh, and halal are very similar. Yeah. The, the, a, a funny story, which I use difficult to kind of figure out whether this was whether this was a bad thing or not at the time, was that Yale allowed someone to come to Yale who was a, um, a former, like, uh, high-ranking official in the Taliban, and he would eat at the Slipka Center. Uh Okay, so as, um, w- as a student or or like a lecturer or as uh, as a student, yeah, I think it turned out that uh, the Taliban have some very young, uh, high ranking officials, um, hmm. but um, but yeah, you know, it's hard to know what they think of that, um, but I don't want to get into that. Uh, but um, anyway, I went to, I went on their Zoom the other day. They seem to be. Um, they, they seem to be thinking that the administration is supportive of them. Um, they do talk about this one professor, uh, Zarina Grewal, who said on Twitter uh, on that day on October 7th, it's been an extraordinary day. Palestinians have every right to resist their armed struggles, solidarity, all that stuff. And what's interesting is that, do you remember back in 2014 when uh, this Yale professor, uh, Erica Christakis, um, th- there was a letter going around where they were like, oh, no, don't wear a Halloween costume. That's going to be offensive and culturally appropriation. I, and I, uh, I don't remember the professor's name, but I do remember that being a, a incident that kind of blew up at Yale. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, she said, you know, which is something that was probably the right answer, <laughs> which is what Yale had done for many years, especially when I went there is, you know, we trust students to uh, to make their own decisions when it comes to their Halloween costume. And people just went nuts. And at the time I looked up, you know, well, well what were the bad Halloween costumes? Come on, I want to know what they are. It turns <laughs> out it was all theoretical. There weren't any real Halloween costumes. And the fact that, and, you know, people made such a big deal out of this that they essentially hounded her out of her position to, to resign from, from her position. Uh, I think 
the, like it, it was um, a position in the in the Yale College system in the dormitory uh, position. Uh, she was, um, uh, I think, she was married to uh, I forget Professor Christakis. I forgot his first name, but he he wrote a book. Oh my God, the book's on the, on my shelves. So I should I should be able to to look at it right now. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, 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 okay, this is driving me crazy. I have to I have to look at what it. Uh, Nicholas Christakis, right. So he was what was then called the master of Silliman College. Uh, now it's called the head because unfortunately we can't tell the difference between two different meanings of words. Um, so uh, uh, so they basically had to resign that position in terms of student life uh, because I, I don't think, I think the story went the, the, the Yale administration didn't really Forced them to do it, but the Yale administration wasn't particularly uh, supportive either and was like mm. kind of allowing them to be harassed. So, what I'm surprised by so, first of all, this professor, uh, Grewal, who, who is who's supporting this uh, Hamas attack, apparently was one of the harassers back in the day of, of, this, uh, of this professor. So, it's not like she believes in free speech. And uh, secondly, uh, you know, People on the Yale campus still remember that very well 10 years from now. And, and that one incident is kind of how things are measured against. It's like, well, you know, look what happens there and look where you are now. Uh, so I I think, you know, back then it, it was kind of like, oh, this is going to happen and people are going to forget and people are just going to get used to it. And it, it, there's something about the fact that people still bring it up 10 years from now and it has not healed. Like, okay. You know, they're going to be forced. Yale is going to be forced to contend with their policy and way of thinking uh, on matters of free speech uh, sooner rather than later. Interestingly enough, the Harvard president, when when confronted with all of these uh, all of these petitions, is like, well, free speech is what we're all about. And it's like, yes, I agree with that. I want that to be true. But are you just pretending that the last six years never happened where uh, <laughs> there were a lot of things you can't say? And there are a lot of things you can't do. Imagine protesting against the COVID restrictions. Imagine pr protesting against the, uh, 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 you know, uh, imagine saying all lives matter. You would not be allowed on that campus anymore if you just uttered those three words. I, I, you know, I, I promise you. So, um, whereas when I was at Yale, you could say some things that probably you shouldn't uh, shouldn't say, <laughs> and and it was fine back in two thousand four. But uh, but but that's where we are, and it seems like there is something about the fact that they're that it, it almost seemed like before that they're just going to keep contradicting themselves and contradicting themselves, and they're going to get away with it. But it does seem like they're running up against some barrier where the contradictions are getting too great to. Uh, you know, uh, uh, to not notice uh, mm. or, or or to sweep under the rug. Um, although <laughs> historically, <laughs> that rabbit hole for me has gone way deeper than I ever imagined. And every time I think it's going to turn around, it just goes deeper. But it does feel like there's been a sea change in that now. So I don't know. It, it'll be very interesting to see where, where things go next. And I, I think when we were talking earlier this week, I mentioned that... Uh, I got a, an email from my children's uh, uh, I don't I don't recall if it was from the school board or the superintendent or, or but but from from the public schools, you know, about how, how to talk to your children about what's going on, you know, in in, in Israel right now. Um, and and I was relieved that uh, it was a very. Um, 
for lack of a better term, nonpartisan, that it was it was more about like how to not freak your kids out and and how to not panic them about things and how to let them like don't don't tell them what you think they need to know. Let them guide the conversation. And there there was nothing in there that was was overtly, you know, yeah, pro-Israel or pro pro-Palestine or anti anyone. And so that that was a relief because uh I I could see in in certain communities uh it, it, not so far from where I live, uh, taking a very strong stance uh, that that would make me uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I have such a low barrier. Like, I'm I'm thinking I'm going to open up one of these letters, like how to talk to your children about Trump's energy policy. You're all going to be dead <laughs> by the time you're 25 because of it. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, well, that's the kind of that's the kind of talk we got for many years. All right, yeah. so. Um, as a bonus, uh, yesterday yeah, changing gears. Yeah. So, um, yesterday, although I think I'm going to, uh, divide up this episode into two parts. So, uh, maybe this is a, a week and a day ago. Um, I saw the movie dumb money. Now that's a movie about, uh, the GameStop short squeeze in early 2001, uh, when, uh, some retail investors, uh, particularly on Reddit noticed that, uh, you know, GameStop is not going under and the amount of short selling by large hedge funds is way larger than the price of the stock. So we can, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to explain all this. Someone was in over their head and they noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, so, so they started buying and people kind of started buying that stock to stick it to the man and shot up like, you know, a hundred X or something like that. And the movie had some good actors in it. Uh, Paul Dano, who, who I know from, um, he was actually, uh, the Riddler from that last Batman movie a couple of years ago. And so, and he was scary as the, the Riddler, like as a, you know, as kind of a criminally insane person, but here he was just like a, uh, uh, kind of a fun, sort of working class guy from Boston. And he did a, he did a really good job with that. And his brother was played by uh, Pete Davidson. Uh, and, uh, and I thought it was pretty good. It was amusing. Um, I did not know that the point uh, the CEO of point 72, which is the hedge fund. So the hedge fund that got in over their head was Melvin capital. And the, the, the owner of that was played by Seth Rogen and he was bailed out by the CEO of point 72 so this was in the movie. I didn't know this was real that he had, and they kind of, I think the pet pig was like a long time ago. So it, it wasn't during the time, but they, they kind of moved it up. He had a pet pig that was allowed to wander around in his mansion in, uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut, that he would kind of feed. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so um, that was interesting. Um, and, and I don't know if, have you ever uh, been to Greenwich, uh, Aaron, because it's right next to me here in Stamford. I, I haven't spent much time there, but I've I've occasionally driven through by accident and uh, been, you know, we we did we did not grow up in a uh, in a poor town, but no, compared to Greenwich, it, it felt like we were we were living, you know, out in the boonies, uh, uh, you know, on on the cheap. That place yeah. is fancy, right? Because Weston, uh, you know, Weston has a lot more. Weston has some crazy big houses. Don't get me wrong. But it also has some more like regular houses, I guess. And it's sort of it's a little bit less expensive because a little further in. But no, Greenwich. So, you know, what? like I feel like it's it's sort of like 
when you sort of accidentally get off the highway in the Bronx and you're like, oh man, I am in some neighborhood that is just, I shouldn't be here right now. And But when I get off the uh, highway accidentally in Greenwich, I feel like I'm in the ghetto for billionaires. It's like houses, <laughs> it's castles, castles essentially. Um, I, I know it, exactly what you mean. It sounds yeah, ridiculous, but yes. I know, I know. And what's funny is like, it's only three miles from here where I, where I moved. So uh uh, it's, I have to walk through an area that's a little bit, um, if I wanted to walk there, I'd have to walk through an area that, um, is a little bit iffy, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, but which, I mean, it's not that bad. I, you know, drive through, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like think of the worst cities. It's not like that. Uh, but, um, um, but yeah, but anyway, I thought that was interesting. I actually thought those guys, uh, the CEO of Point Seventy Two and Seth Rogen's character, who were who were the big hedge funds, who were in over their head, they they came off as like very like detached and not living in the real world. Um, but I, they didn't come off as villains. They they just to me they came off as like people who uh, were just doing their job as like the mm-hmm. as like the 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 rich guys in the system, but they weren't necessarily architects of it. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're supposed to pr- being portrayed worse than they are, but uh, it, it didn't really it didn't really seem that way. And also, I, I, I well, I didn't look into it, but my dad is it, uh, does some of this stuff, and he told me that you know those guys ended up not losing that money in the end anyway by you know because of the rules that they were able to manipulate and change. The Robinhood founders, on the other hand, so Robinhood was the app by which normal people buy and sell stuff. Right. I don't know I don't know if you've used it. I should use I it. I have not. Okay, well, yeah. Uh um given that my dad is a stockbroker and and still working, I just I kind of go through it. Uh but uh <laughs> their founders in the movie came off as so douchey. <laughs> it was like they were almost one of the villains cuz remember they Robin Hood uh once that stock got to a certain level and the hedge funds were were hurting, uh Robin Hood Caused buys. You weren't allowed to buy it anymore. Right. Um, yeah, which, and, which a lot of people thought was a little sketchy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and they came off as like, oh, we really wanted to make this app because we saw Occupy Wall Street, and we want the regular person to, uh, you know, uh, to be able to buy stocks. They just came off as like so. Uh, so now I don't know them in real life, but I, I, I feel like from the video I saw of them in real life, they got them spot on and it was, it was pretty funny. Um, but what was more interesting and probably will be interesting to a lot of people out there. This is the first movie I've seen that really portrayed the COVID era outside it. And I know there were a lot of like doomers in COVID era, like, oh, all the bad things they did to us, uh, it'll be seen as as great. And no one will ever, uh, you know, no one will ever question it. And it'll be like, you know, thank God we all wore masks and that, you know, that that did it. But that is, and that is not how this movie portrayed the COVID regime at all. And it, unless there's some subtle thing I'm, I'm missing, because, you know, one of the characters was actually, who was buying GameStop stock was actually uh, someone who worked at a GameStop but didn't really like his job particularly. <laughs> and he had the boss kept saying like, mask on, mask on, you know, like if he just like put it a little bit below his mouth just to say something so that he could be heard. Um, and and one of the characters was a, um, uh, I hope I'm not giving away too much of the movie, am I? Uh, so yeah, there there was a little thing with the the force. There, I think there was a little statement about the forced vaccinations in there. Um, and so I thought that was very interesting that, uh, that 
uh, movies that portray the COVID regime, which hadn't hadn't been happening during it. Like, you know, during World War II, there were movies portraying World War II. Here, you didn't have that. But uh, um, um, I'm, I, I was kind of surprised at how critical it was. Um, so, so related to that, um, yeah. I, I just recently went back and started watching. Uh, I, I haven't seen the last two seasons, most recent two seasons of Billions. Um, and so I, I've just watched the the first couple episodes of season six, which came out in uh, January of 2022, but but as a result was filmed in in 2021, uh, kind of at peak COVID. And uh, yeah, there's people wearing masks in it, but uh, I think the the bigger underlying current was uh, they they really grasped onto the the zeitgeist of. Uh, uh, we got to go after the billionaires because they're the real problem, which uh, I guess was uh, very much in the air at that period. Um, and and I at first I was a little uh, a little disappointed with that. I'm like, oh come on, guys, are you just going to play into this this uh, you know kind of populist backlash here? But then I, when I thought more about it, I said, well, the character espousing this view is, is the uh, Attorney General of the State of New York, mm. so that's actually pretty much right on. Paul Giamatti, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And back, so back, back to dumb money. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just one thing that reminds, as you know, I was, um, on the campaign trail with my cousin, Jordan, and there's a scene where the roaring kitty, who's the guy who was, uh, who was on Reddit telling people about GameStop, he was practicing to testify before Congress and his like, uh, you know, his doofus brother was there, like, uh, you know, making fun of him the whole time. And that, so when we did debate prep with my cousin Jordan and his uh, his brothers were there, that that kind of reminded me exactly of that. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, you know, not to well, I don't think this is going to come up in in the campaign in California. Who knows? Maybe it will. But uh, but Jordan, even though yeah, <laughs> you've got to see you've got to see that. It's pretty funny. Uh, okay, so th- I give that movie a pretty high rating overall. I think. It dragged on a little. It was an hour and forty-five minutes, which doesn't seem like a long movie, but I felt like it. I felt like it dragged. So maybe it wasn't. It could that have been great. a little bit tighter. Yeah, yeah. I th- there were a lot of internet memes, and like uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, montages of internet memes, which I, I guess that's the only way you could portray some of this. And I, I, they probably had so many examples they wanted to fit it all in, um, but I don't know. I, I, I th- th- that would kind of put it down to three stars for me. But I, I'd say if, if any of this sounds intriguing to you, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Uh, see Dumb Money and, uh, th- and let th- me know what you think. Th- two thoughts. One is, yeah, that that's an interesting because I can't think of many movies that have incorporated memes other, other than like kind of a wink and a nod of fan service. But th- this sounds very different than that. Um, and since, you know, m- memes have become uh, very much the, the, the medium of communication for uh, uh, a, I don't know if I if, if a generation is the right term, but but they've they've become very prominent in the last five years ish, uh, ten years ish. Uh, uh, but but we really haven't seen that being captured in in film, uh, to my knowledge. So interesting to see how that might shape up. Um, the the other angle on that, uh, I have completely lost my train of thought. So there was memes, right? And uh, <laughs> memes, COVID. No, no. Uh, Oh, oh, it was so I are there's I thought there were some other movies, uh, you know, in production or coming out soon as well that that dealt with the uh, the GameStop fiasco. Um, oh, interesting. Is, is that the case or or am I misremembering? To be honest, Aaron, I feel like 
there doesn't need to be a second movie about this one. <laughs> like this, is, there could be a second movie about the COVID era for sure. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot more uh, in the days ahead, but I don't know if we could do, uh, I mean, I guess they kind of come in pairs, don't they? Um, it's, uh, but yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess there was a documentary. Uh, was it Ri- rise of the players? When did that come out? Uh, back in 2022. So that, that's a little bit different. Uh, not a, not a dramatization. Yeah. Speaking of which, by the way, now now in, now that we're in the I guess post COVID era, uh, when did the post COVID era start? A lot of people say the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, marks the post COVID era. Well, uh, but- that that is a cynical view because it certainly changed what people were putting in their Twitter uh, profiles and exactly and, uh, and photos. Um, a a hashtag the current thing uh view on on uh current events would would very much mark that as the transition point um, yeah I, I think so too i think so too so a year and a half uh but um uh where was i going with this <laughs> i was saying you know it, we, now that we're out of the covid era ah uh, i don't even know oh oh uh what other I was going to ask what other films and stuff are coming out. Oh, no, no, no. I know what I'm talking about. You know what I like now is that the movies are becoming, uh, it's it's worth going to the movies again. I felt mm-hmm. like um, uh, we didn't go to the movies so much during the COVID era because who wants to sit there at a mask all day uh, and and or, you know, the whole time. And then secondly, the movies just weren't that good uh, for a few years. The from Well, there hasn't been a good comedy uh, since, well, there have been a few good comedies since 2013. I, I, the only one I could think of is like Death of Stalin. There've been some comedies, but we have been in a dearth of, of comedies, but I, and, and maybe that's still true, but I feel like there have been some good movies coming out the last few years. We're going to the theater now and, and enjoying the movie. I'd say the moment that your your odds are higher. That cinema was, was back in the game in terms of actually going to the theater was the success of, of Barbie and Oppenheimer this summer. Mm, um, neither yeah. of which I've seen yet, but, but that definitely marked the, Oh, uh, pe- people will actually do this again. Yeah. And a little bit last year with uh, everything everywhere all at once. Although I, I didn't get into that movie so much. It was, it was, it was good, but it, uh, I, I wasn't, um, it, it didn't make me hop back into the movies, but now mm. I, I, you know, I saw previews. I saw there's a Ridley Scott, uh, uh, Napoleon coming out, which is, you know, yeah. think of like a Napoleon era, uh, a gladiator, I guess. And, uh, you know, there's a new Scorsese movie coming out and I'm like, Oh my God, we got to see all of these. So, um, I'm very excited. I don't know if we're going to do a movie, uh, you know, segment a, a movie segment, but yeah, maybe that'll be a little lighter than, uh, than probability distribution of the week segment, which I think we've, uh, we've, we've, taken all of our probabilities. We've exhausted our probabilities and we're going to get a lot more technical too in the last few days. So maybe ending it with a, over the next few months. So maybe ending it with a movie segment is probably a good idea. Good excuse to go to the movies and you too, you (laughs) could, you could do your own movie review. All right. Uh, I think that's it for tonight. I hope you, uh, I I hope that, um, I hope you enjoyed the discussion on the movie, but I hope that you found our discussion on the war in the Middle East, at least, uh, at least you got something out of it that you didn't get out from other podcasts. And, um, and I, I, you know, I'm not here to provide, you know, I wish I could provide more, um, uh, 
well, we provide some moral clarity, but there are other people who are better to do that or, or, or some context maybe I could provide. I'm not really uh, good at, uh, you know, on the like kind of spiritual advice type 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 thing. But, you know, well, it's, which I kind of think people need right now. But uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I don't from where we're it. sitting, it's it's hard to to point at, at uh, you know, actionable uh actionable actions that's poorly phrased but what you know things that we as individuals can do uh right there, there, there's not much that i can grasp there um my my only hope is that uh all the doom scrolling and staying up late at night uh, you know looking at the internet and and worrying about this that i have done in the past week uh means that our listeners don't have to do the same uh yeah so yeah, perhaps we can provide that service to you and honestly i wouldn't recommend it because of all the the, the fog of war type stuff and you have the same yeah. types of things going over and over again just check in every once in a while um and uh hopefully i will be in touch with people in that region to get uh you know personal stories like i did in the ukraine it's gonna be a little different this time because uh in ukraine i had my whole list from uh uh you know from the data science summer school but uh but i'll, I'll see what i can do yeah, well, and it would be fascinating to know if we have any listeners uh, in in either Israel or Palestine. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm pretty sure we do uh, in Israel, at least. So um, definitely let us know, and hopefully, uh, and definitely do a call, either a call in or a uh, or 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 send me some te some uh, text about uh, what your experience is right now, so that uh, I could read it on the show. All right, uh, thanks everyone. Have a great week. All right. By the way, I would have uh, people on, on either side of the border uh, over there. Uh, on the show, I was just speaking from personal experience with my audience. Again, it might actually be tougher to find these voices for me uh, this time around for, for reasons that I stated. All right. Next week, I want to talk about our tech retreat, which I just got back from. I just got back from uh, Sturbridge Village, where I had a tech retreat of, I, I think it was nine people, and we did our predictions uh, for the future in the um, lobby of the, uh, the of, of the Hampton Inn in Sturbridge Village. And then yesterday, Sunday, uh, we did, uh, you know, I, I, I toured old Sturbridge Village. So that was kind of fun. Uh, we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit. Um, and, uh, and those predictions episodes, uh, they're not always the most popular for some reason, but I find future predictions so fascinating and figuring out where we were wrong. We've been doing those predictions for nearly nine years now. So um, see, see where we're wrong, see where we're right. Tech predictions, cultural predictions, always fun. Uh, and then in the uh, a future episode, we're going to get to talk about ancient Egypt. So get ready for that. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support the local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel, feel the power. 